we are talking about people who are literally, literally the least of these. Caritas has been around for 30 years now. Can you believe that? 30 years. We started in the early 1980s as a winter cots program. Four congregations downtown said there are so many people on the streets. Let me tell you why they were there. Mental health institutions were letting people go. They didn't have the space anymore, nor the funding. And there was a huge crisis with jobs. And, much like we see today, there was stuff going on with addiction. Okay? So all three of those things were putting more people out on the streets. They opened their doors, and they welcomed those people in. And then, in 1987, we became, you look up on the screen, those capital letters. Do you guys remember this? Congregations around Richmond involved to assure shelter. Isn't that too many words? It's a mouthful, right? Well, I'm going to share with you today that we have changed so much over the years that we no longer use those acronyms. I hope that you've learned new things about us today. Okay? We are still Caritas, but it no longer stands for all those words, which is a good thing because I have trouble remembering it. All right? So you guys do shelter. You know how that operates. You welcome people in. What you may not know is that you're welcoming people who absolutely have nowhere else to go. Our system works that people get funneled to different shelters, okay? And once those beds are taken, the folks who are left over, they come to Caritas. We are a low-barrier shelter, which means that no matter what, you are welcome into our home, right? You guys open your arms. You smile. Those are the things you don't think about. Yes, you're giving them a place to be that's safe, that prevents them from dying on the streets, But you also are smiling at them. You're patting them on the back. You're giving them encouragement. You know, Joel doesn't just have you do those welcoming moments with each other for no reason, right? It's to build relationship. It's to offer encouragement to one another. Don't we need that as human beings? We forget that's the real ministry that takes place with Caritas. You remind people that we would pass over on the street corners, that we wouldn't make eye contact with, in here, that they matter that they are valuable, right? That they are truly our brothers and sisters. That is real ministry. And so we thank you for doing that with us for so many years. We also have a second program. It's called the Furniture Bank. Okay, do you guys know about the Furniture Bank? All right, so for those of you who don't, because I love the the nose, (laughs) for those of you who don't, let me tell you how it started really quickly. It started because of somebody like one of you. She was hosting um, in her congregation the families, and she befriended this woman. She was terrified, though, because she had never done a Caritas week. So she thought, what in the world am I going to talk to these people about, right? We may have had those, those thoughts, too, right? They're so other than us. Well, she saw this woman. She had dreadlocks. You guys know what dreadlocks are, right, like Bob Marley? They were pink and purple and blue, and she had bottle caps, and paper clips tied into her hair. And she said, what in the world am I doing? But she looked into her arms, and she had a two-week-old baby, soft blonde hair, big blue eyes. And she said, that little baby looks just like my daughter did when she was that age. It was enough for her to go over and befriend this client. That client's name was Shannon. They spent time together every single night that they were there. Okay, now, the volunteer lived in Woodlake. You guys know where Woodlake is? Okay, 
At the end of that week, Shannon got her golden ticket. I know you guys know. Yes, Langston. That's my little one. (laughs) At the end of that week, Shannon got her golden ticket. You guys know Willy Wonka, right? The once in a lifetime ticket. Okay. She got her section eight voucher. She was moving to Gilpin Court. Now, That's terrifying for people who watch the news, right? Because all that comes out of Gilpin Court are dark things, danger, violence. But that volunteer took a risk. And several weeks later, right, because she had to build up the courage, several weeks later, she made it from Woodlake to Gilpin Court. Gilpin Court's got a lot of beautiful things there. There's a lot of great things that are coming out of Gilpin Court. She knocked on that door, walked in. Shannon was so excited to see her. First thing that volunteer said is, Shannon, you've been here for weeks. Where is your furniture? Shannon said, what are you talking about? We're fine. The volunteer said, no, you're not fine. She had been sleeping on a hard linoleum floor. Just her coat and the baby had been sleeping in a baby carrier the whole time. That volunteer couldn't believe that. She went back to her neighborhood. She emailed a group of women that she met with every every week. And she said, if you have anything extra, would you put it in my garage? Okay. Went in the garage, packed it up. She thought, this is going to take a week or longer. I just know it. 48 hours. Her garage was so full with the excess that we have in our homes, she couldn't close the door. And... They took items and they put it in their neighbor's garage as well. That neighbor is now our COO. They took those items and they put it into Shannon's place and there was stuff left over. And from that, they said, Shannon, what is it that you want to do? And she said, I want to help people. She said, find out what your neighbor needs. Shannon says, well, I already know the little boy next door needs a bike. Isn't it fun to get a bike, right? Put out an ask for a bike. She got four bikes. And out of that, people just kept giving stuff. She didn't even ask for it anymore. They would just start putting it in her yard. And as they found out about the need, they gave it. I want you to recognize something. Something that relates to that scripture that Joel's going to talk about. They were being neighbor. Neighbor to people that they didn't even know. Right? Out of that came the furniture bank. We didn't know what a furniture bank was. I was there in the beginning. I had no idea. Right? First year, we served 100 families. Last year, we served almost 1,000. And that's because of the community. So the community started the Caritas Shelter. Not us. We didn't think about it. It was people like you all who said this is important. The community started the Furniture Bank. Our third program is called the Healing Place for Men. All right? It's a recovery facility. It's 214 beds. That came out of the fact that we saw men that kept coming back into our doors. And we said, well, what's keeping you here? Addiction. Addiction or mental health was keeping them there. And we knew that if we wanted to address that, that we needed to find a way. And so we searched the nation. We came up with this program. It's a peer-to-peer long-term recovery program. It's a year long. Okay? These are some of the things that you guys can read up there about each of those programs. And it's a year-long program. Um, And men are going through, they're doing a 12-step program, but they're also learning accountability. 
They're also saving money. Okay, it's very, very strenuous. I'm not going to kid you. It's military. It's very difficult. But if they make it out the year at the end of it, a year later, 70% of them are still clean and sober, which is awesome. And it's a huge need for what we have going on today, isn't it? I'll talk about some more about what we're going to do in just a minute. But let me tell you about our fourth program called the Works Program. You go to the second slide. The Works Program came about because our men were leaving the healing place and they started coming back to us. Okay. And again, we say, well, why are you coming back to us? The obvious answer is addiction, right? But it was really because they couldn't make it. And why couldn't they make it? What do you guys think? They couldn't get jobs, right? Because in active addiction, they had felonies and misdemeanors and breaks in their work history and nobody wanted to hire them, right? It automatically X's you out. And so we knew we had to combat that. And so... Here we go again in a plane, traveling to look at other programs. We went to Chicago and we looked at several workforce development programs and we built our own. Um, and so it's five weeks. It's very intense. It's more than 160 hours of coursework. Um, so they come in there and we have volunteers that come in. Um, we have HR executives. They come in. They do resumes for the guys. Um, so they get state-of-the-art resumes. They do mock interviews. They do Myers-Briggs, right? They're learning about themselves, right? And then they also, they do things like anger management, right? Because imagine being incarcerated for 30 years. It's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? Imagine coming out into the world and nobody is welcome, welcoming you, right? Nobody is ready to hire you or give you an opportunity. You might be a little angry, don't you think? You might be a little bitter. And so we work on that to have a well-rounded candidate. Five weeks, 30 days, 92% of our guys have jobs, no matter what their background is. Now, that program started for just the healing place. Now it's for the whole community. Anybody is welcome to come in those doors. So welcome. We're welcoming folks to come in and change their lives. But again, we couldn't do that without the community supporting that because volunteers teach those courses. Okay. Now I know you may have heard some murmuring about Caritas changing, right? So let me give you some facts on that right now. Today, if you were to house women, women wouldn't have anywhere else to go if we didn't exist. Caritas provides the beds for 95% of women in central Virginia who are unaccompanied, meaning they do not have custody of their children. It doesn't mean that they don't have children. It means they don't have custody of them. So if we didn't exist, they would be on the streets. So obviously the same issues exist for women that exist for men, right? They're dealing with mental health and addiction. In the state of Virginia, women wait 90 days if they need help with recovery services. 90 days. There's an opioid crisis going on. That's way too long, isn't it? So we're excited to say that we are going to be building a Caritas Center. Um, so we're going to be, we have three buildings right now. All of those things are going to roll into, hold on, all of those things are going to roll into one building site. Okay, so the administrative offices, the furniture bank, the works program, and the healing place for women. So we are so excited about that because we're going to change lives. And we hope that we're going to do it because the community comes along with us. So 
It's also going to have 47 sober living apartments in that building. All right. So it's a continuation of programs. We're hoping to be a national best practice model with all those services underneath one roof. All right. So we're very excited about that. Now, in doing that, that means the model of how we do shelter is going to change. For just a moment, I want you to recognize or think about what it's like. I see that a lot of you have children. Can you imagine that one week you pack up a trash bag, a trash bag of your valuables? You get on a bus and you come to a congregation, okay? It takes you a little bit of time to get to know the people and feel really welcome. Some people are extroverts and write out their best friends with everybody, right? But by the time seven days rolls around, you're packing up your bags and you have to do it again. And you have to do it with your little ones in tow. Does that sound like something you'd want to do every single week? No. And so we are changing our model of how we do emergency shelter. We will not host emergency shelter in congregations anymore. We will put them in a permanent site. They will wake up in their own beds. They're not going to sleep on mats on the floor anymore. They have access to showers in the building. They have their own storage space. What's that like? Is that welcome? Is that hospitality? Yes. And so we're asking you all to come along and do that with us. If you would go to the next slide. So this is how it's going to change. We're going to put them in a permanent shelter, but it won't change how you guys engage. We still need you. We need you to come out. And as we sang, if we are the body, we need you to be those hands and those feet and those smiles and those words of encouragement. But we need you to come down to the building. We still need those, those meals, guys. <laughs> we still need you to come in the kitchen and work side by side and help women learn how to make meals or to sew or to help us throw birthday parties for their kids because we're going to have a reunification suite to help mothers reunite with their kids. There's so many awesome opportunities that are going to take place in this. And we hope that you'll be part of it. Um, so... I would say you're living out hospitality and you've been doing it for years as you've hosted congregation, I mean, hosted Caritas here. I pray that you will come and do radical welcome and live out hospitality outside of your walls. Caritas no longer stands for congregations around Richmond involved to assure shelter, but it does stand for compassion. That's what it means in Latin. And so every day we live that out, but we live that out with all of you. Thank you. Good. I know there are some men in the congregation who are like, what, I don't get to sleep on the parlor floor anymore? <laughs> Actually, you do get to next year. We still, because it, we don't get, they don't get fully ramped up with every program until after 2019, right? So, so next year we will be hosting Caritas right here as we have for years and years and years. Um, but things are changing and hopefully, hopefully things are getting better because the goal is not to permanently house people there. 
The goal is to have permanent housing so that then they can get their own permanent housing, right? And that's what I love about this. Is it's not we're not we're not building places for for people to just live forever in, in these small things, but to be able to get a hand up so that they can go um, live on their own, have jobs, get clean, all those things. So it's very um, it's very cool, very exciting. And Richmond's sort of leading the way with this, which is amazing. Um, so I'm just going to briefly, very briefly, talk about this scripture, this goats and sheep scripture. Because I think it's really confusing, and it has confused people throughout time. Because there's just there's a lot going on here. So I could spend I could spend three or four class times on this scripture. So, but I'm not going to do that because we uh, you know we we want to have Sunday school today. What I do want to I do want to just highlight a couple of things. One is um, does anybody know does anybody know why you separate sheep and goats? Why the shepherds would have shep- separated the sheep and the goats? anybody have anybody have a clue? Because they're different. Um, yes, sort of. Any guesses? I did not know this until this week. I'd never really, I've read this scripture many times, I'd never really uh, thought about it. Yes. What's interesting is that during the day, they would herd them together. They would, they would be, they would be out there, you know, in the field or, or in the pasture or whatever, out herding them together. Um, and in the evening, um, in the Middle East, it gets it, the temperature changes relatively significantly because the air is very dry; it's very arid. So, it, so the temperature can change very significantly. Sheep have wool, right? They're naturally a lot warmer than goats because if you've ever pet- petted a goat, it's not a real great. It's like petting a pig, you know. It's like not a real, you know, soft, fluffy experience. And so they would, they would, they put the sheep in a pen so that they could be together or under some sort of shelter if they had it, so that they could be together more for warmth. Uh, I mean, the goats would be there more for warmth. The sheep would be, the sheep would could be out still in the pasture um, because they they would stay warmer. I never knew this until I just studied that. I just, I don't know, it's an interesting thing that you just don't... But the people of that time would have known that. Right? They would have understood, oh yeah, of course, a shepherd. In caring for the goats and the sheep, that, that's that's what you do. One of the other things about this passage is is, is 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 people have people have sort of used it to guilt other people into doing things. Because the rest of this passage, I, I didn't. Jennifer mentioned it, but the rest of this passage goes on to say that then the goats, the goats um, go off to basically eternal damnation because they did not feed, clothe, house, give beer to. Um, at least that's what happened at Howie Wong's house. Decided to call you out, man. Not Casey Wong's house, of course, but Howie Wong's house. You get beer, but um, but because because they didn't do this to the least of these, um, then they go off to eternal nation. So when you read it just on its face, it's like, oh, I better get my act together. I need to get doing my works. Or else I'm not going to be saved. I'm going to go off to eternal damnation. I mean, it, it, it preaches great, especially if you're trying to get people to give money or do something, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's an easy one for a preacher to do. But the problem is, the problem is, is that you can't read scripture apart from scripture. This is one story among many. Yes, it is about how we care for each other. It is about that 
there is a judgment. I mean, that's clear in the Bible that throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament that there, there, that there is judgment. And this is a judgment scene. This is a judgment scene um, that, that sings an Old Testament song. If you go back and, and, you, and you look in the book of Daniel, it says, one like a son of man will be given power and glory and will, will basically execute justice and, and will set everything right. And so this is really a reflection of that, of that Old Testament um, song. I like to say it that way. That Old Testament imagery of the time of judgment. And we know that there will be a judgment. And throughout the scripture, we, we come to find out that Jesus is the one who does the judging. And we also come to find out through the gospel that Jesus is the one who laid down his life for our brokenness, for our sin. We also hear from Paul that we are not saved by our works. We are saved by grace through faith. And yet we hear in James that faith without works is dead. So, I just didn't want you to walk away with a, a one-sided picture of the Scripture. This goes back to what I've been trying to teach us and what I've been trying to learn is that when you begin to plumb the depths of the Scripture, you begin to see that it, has, it, it is so layered with meaning. There is so much stuff that you're never going to plumb the depths of it. I think it does, it always causes us to reflect on our own lives. On how we are living out this greatest commandment. Jesus didn't say the greatest commandment was to feed, water, shelter, house people. He said it was to love them. Which was to go well beyond all of that. And to do that. And Jesus did not say that when you follow these, that it, when you do those works, then that guarantees that you're saved. So that would preach great, right? Our salvation is held in Jesus. Not in something that we do. That's just good Protestant teaching. It's not in how hard we work, how much money we give. It is when we receive that grace when we come to know that we are welcomed for who we are as we are, then it becomes the Spirit that overflows in us that then wants to do those good works that it says in the Scripture were prepared for us beforehand. And so I just want you to consider from the depths of the Scripture. Don't, don't ever just read one Scripture and think you've got it all figured out. Make sure you're reading it the whole breadth and depth of it. Because you might miss something amazing. Because the good news is not just single-faceted, even though it is held in one person, whose name is Jesus.